0: to the afternoon session, and uh, we're getting pretty close to the end of the school. Professor Fekete is going to do the uh, talk tomorrow morning, and I am going to talk more about the gold standard and real bills. That's really the topic for this afternoon. We already touched on some of it, but there's quite a few more interesting things. But Professor can't be here, and he's not here, so I'd like to read and talk about his critique of the quantity theory of money. I critiqued it from point of view of the GDP and the, you know, the the um, tenants just ignore the velocity of money and also from the Mingarian point of view of uh, constant marginal utility. And here's his critique. Equilibrium economics more especially the quantity theory of money the latter-day champion of which is Milton Friedman, the guy with the trained horse holds that a regime of floating foreign exchange rates is absolutely necessary as a balancing mechanism of foreign trade. By floating, they mean sinking. If a country imports more than it exports, then the value of its currency will drop in the foreign exchange markets. As a result, the price of imported goods will rise, limiting imports, and at the same time, the price of this country's exports in foreign markets will drop boosting exports. These effects, supposedly, redress trade imbalance. As a corollary, it is further asserted that if a drop in foreign exchange rates does not occur on its own accord, then the government is fully justified in pushing them down by hook or crook. This is a vicious theory concocted to justify the government in engineering a destruction of the value of the currency. For decades, the U.S. government has been trying to reverse its unfavorable trade balance with Japan by crying down the value of the dollar. However, in spite of the great success of the U.S. government to debase its currency, trade imbalance has continued to worsen. It showed signs of abating only when the Japanese government also started debasing its own currency, the yen. So, there's your race to the bottom. This equilibrium analysis shows that if a country runs export surpluses, this will not cause an inevitable increase in domestic retail prices as predicted by equilibrium theory. The discount rate will drop in response to the inflow of foreign exchange. Merchants will draw bills on foreign countries with a higher discount rate. This will repel the invasion of foreign exchange. Higher consumer demand will be met by an expanded offering on the shelves of the shopkeepers, thanks to the lower discount rate. By the time the consumer is ready to spend the extra income, the extra merchandise will be in place. Conversely, if a country is stricken with a bad harvest or by some other natural calamity destroying crops, property, and goods, then there will be an immediate increase in the discount rate Retail prices will not rise inevitably. The stricken country, thanks to its higher discount rate, is an attractive place on which to draw bills or a place to send goods. This translates into an immediate influx of short-term capital from abroad in the form of the most urgently needed consumer goods. Of course, if the bill market is sabotaged through government intervention, in brackets in allowing the banking system to preempt the spontaneous circulation of bills of exchange then the influx of foreign exchange will spill over to the stock bond and real estate markets where rampant speculation may cause huge price increases this may indeed lead in due course to a collapse as it has happened in japan and as it will probably happen in the united states the collapse must be square, must squarely be blamed on the vicious equilibrium theory of foreign exchange suggesting that trade imbalances can be cured by government-inspired debasement of the currency. This equilibrium theory treats the problem of trade imbalances as a coordination problem. It analyzes short-term capital movement as it responds to the widening spread between the discount rate and the marginal productivity of social circulating capital. It takes into account arbitrage between the bill market and the consumer goods market. The mechanical quantity theory of money and other equilibrium theories are blind, barren, and misleading. And that's what he says about
1: it. What's the title of that
0: picture? Critique that's lecture eighteen. I think you guys have this critique oh, of no. quantity theory of money. That you haven't got that? Thing? Oh. Okay, well, you get it. <laughs> um, so, that's quite a mouthful. Uh, in my book, I talk about the golden strap. And when I was a kid in school, high school, there was such thing as a strap. And as I was in high school for a little more than I was supposed to be, but anyways, I was there for five years. And um, in all that time, the strap was used once and all the kids knew the one who got the strap and we all agreed that he deserved the strap and it was the right thing to do and that was the end of it and we all, well I personally got called into the vice principal's office more than once uh, dressed down for not behaving as required but never got the strap because we all knew it was there and we knew there was a line and if you go over that line you get punished Of course, today this is unheard of, you know, corporal punishment. Anyway, so compare this to gold. The role of gold in the central bank is, you laugh at it, Ah, it sits in the vault gathering dust. But this is a very important role. Because the day it starts to move in serious amounts, something is wrong. So uh, let's say a trade deficit occurs for whatever reason, and the, the bill market goes... The bill market fixes the problem. But maybe it's a longer term issue, and it goes on and on and on, and the bills keep, you know, they're just too much offset, and the payments keep going, because eventually, in 90 days, these bills are paid. Well, at some point, gold will start to move. And these deficits must be covered by gold. Or, uh, you know, uh, surpluses, vice versa. But everybody knows this. And no country wants to be guilty of giving away its gold. So policies are run in such a way as to avoid this. And very rarely does gold actually move because at the end of the day, it's real goods that are traded. You know, you trade grain for, uh, you know, now the United States is a great exporter of wheat and corn and whatnot, and the Chinese send other stuff here. Well, under a gold standard, these two net out. And the real bills facilitate this trade but at the end of the day, they net out, and only differences in trade uh, are are transferred to gold, gold coin, or whatever. And so, if a country runs policies that are violating this balance, then the gold will run. But that's the only time. So, you know, that's the professor's uh, critique, and clearly, it's very straightforward. Any any comments or questions about that? About what I just read? Yes.
2: How did the real bills um, net it out first, or take care of the minor fluctuations? Is it like- well, because
0: if there's a difference in the discount rate, they tend to go there, and then they tend to go the other way. Uh, you can also look at the the discount rate as a way to invite gold in. It, it earns more there, which is the opposite of of goods. So. Uh, you know, the London trade house, and I think Sandeep can probably back me up, and they said, well, we can have all the gold in the world, we can attract gold from the moon if we increase the discount rate enough. Okay, any, anything else? Okay, so, uh, the theme of my talk is the, the gold standard and real bills. So we're gonna try to look at what an unadulterated gold standard is versus gold standard, which can be any kind of gold standard, and what does it really mean, and how did it come about, and how was it adulterated? Now, think back to, (laughs) you know, originally gold and silver were sitting in bulk, and you chip off a hunk of silver or gold to make your payment by weighing it out. This was not very efficient. So soon enough, people invented the idea of coining the gold or the silver into pre-measured units. So when the, the Romans and I'm not going to blame them specifically, but just, just as an example, they wanted, they wanted to have more money in the treasury, they decided to clip the coins, make them smaller, and therefore have more coins. Now, does that mean they had more money? Well, if you count the coins, instead of 10 coins, they had 11 coins, but the amount of silver didn't change. It was a perception of more money. And that's the first very most primitive way to try to, you know, stretch the gold or make it go for them. It didn't work. Clipping coins didn't work because people start to see that the size, the weight is wrong. Oh, we we'll only pay you whatever it's worth. So the, the thing was discounted. Then along comes a little bit smarter way to try to cheat this thing. Uh, to adulterate the actual silver. Pour in, I don't know, lead or copper or some other metal with cheap metal. So it looks like a regular coin, the same size, it's not clipped. And, supposedly, it's worth the same, but again, the misconception is that the number of coins is the value. And here again, this is a quantity thing versus a quality thing. Just think about that. So, soon enough, the market realized that these coins were adulterated and they were discounted to the real value of the silver in it. And, of course, the Roman Empire went from 100% silver to, at the end, I don't know, 5 10%, the coins were almost worthless. So this, this little trick was discovered. And then along came paper. Now as long as paper is fully redeemable, in other words, it's a banknote backed by gold and silver, or real bills maturing into gold or silver within 91 days, they are in this certain respect as good as gold. They're not, obviously, because they are separated. But their value reflects the value of the gold redeemability. Now, we talked a lot about the spread here. Well, there's no spread in redeeming something because this certificate, this note, entitles the bearer to a specific weight or mass of gold as defined by, you know, the description of that piece of paper. So you don't buy and sell when you redeem. You simply flip it. You say, give me my gold or give me the equivalent gold. Well, okay, so at this point we are Unadulterated gold standard stage because we got real money, and the banknotes are a convenience thing. I mean, nobody wants to lug around wheelbarrow full of silver coins or even buckets full of gold to make big purchases. The banks do that, or maybe in those days discount houses, whatever they were called. And clearly, if the demand for gold at the bank increases, uh, they just allow their portfolio of bills to mature into gold they automatically mature into gold approximately well 45 days all of it on average because it's ninety days maximum so every day the bank has more gold and if people don't withdraw gold or redeem their gold I should say their paper note for the gold gold builds up and the bank goes looking around for more more bills to buy so this is fine now and then of course if there is other stuff backing uh, the notes than bills or gold, then the problems start with, uh, and it's, this is called fractional reserve. What it really means is the balance sheet is not as liquid as it should be, and the bank cannot guarantee with all certainty that it can, that it can redeem all the gold demand on it, and especially if the actual gold is a small amount and more and more bonds or government paper or whatever. So the real answer is to stick to the unadulterated gold standard, but that's not what happened. What happened was a central bank was created to lend money to these banks under stress, to give them more credit so they could afford to to pay out. Um, But there's a problem with that too, because at some point the central bank runs out, and today we're at that point. So that's the, the degradation. Now, the value of the paper Decreases as its redeemability is gone. Once it's not redeemable, back in uh, well, it, the gold standard, the unadulterated gold standard, is a gold coin standard. So the first step was coin, and the backing was bills and cash gold. Period. Now, what does coin mean? It means the average person had the coin in their pocket, and as Professor discussed it. They had the right, and nobody questioned their right, to hoard the gold, spend the gold, save the gold, melt it into jewelry, whatever, it was their property, no problem. And this came to an end um, under Mr. Nixon, I'm sorry, uh, Roosevelt, he's in the US, and he was replaced by old buoyant standard. So no more coins circulating, they actually a lot of these coins were melted down and turned into bars. And only large institutions, you know, banks and so on, had the bullion. So people didn't have the vote anymore, and troubles, this is where the trouble really started. And then it went from here to Bretton Woods. Now you know what Bretton Woods uh, was, that. This was gone. The U.S. held the gold and backed the U.S. dollar with gold, and only international exchanges were allowed. In other words, other countries, other central banks could claim their, uh, uh, their US, that is, redeem their U.S. dollars into gold at the U.S. Treasury the U.S. Bank. So it came from the most democratic way to less democratic, to international, and then it was gone, and it's with Nixon. <coughs> This whole thing ended. So we, the first you know, the gold standard was adulterated, turning from a gold coin standard to a bullion standard, Bretton Woods, and Fiat. Anybody agree? Disagree? I heard. I think I saw some. Did I see some hands? House
2: 1913 coming into play with the with, with, this one? with the Fed. Well, the original
0: charter of the Fed. Did not allow the Fed to keep government paper on its books. It only allowed bills. So let's maybe I'll get rid of this. Let's let's say I'll just give a number: one third gold, two thirds bills. In fact. Uh, Philip sent me this piece of information to the Reich Bank before World War I, had a, I don't know if it was a regulation to, it, to the banks, and German banks, that they needed to keep their portfolio in this ratio. One third gold, physical gold coins. Now once this started to change, what happened was the first adulteration came about, and let's say they went to something like this, and I don't know this, I mean I'm just, one third bills and one third treasuries paper, long-term paper. Already there's a problem that it's long-term because it's subject to market fluctuation and so on. And remember, against this, banknotes were issued and could circulate. And if somebody wanted to redeem their note they wouldn't redeem their banknotes for bills, obviously, they Redeem them for gold. So the gold supply of the bank takes a drop. But these bills mature into gold automatically. That's their nature. So it's not a problem. And more gold and more gold, while portfolio shrinks. And if there's a a large demand, sudden surge of demand, they go to the bill market and cash it in. So this is all very, very liquid. But once this is in here, it's subject to abuse. And if there's demand for gold, what happens to this stuff? Can the governments even pay it? So the standard is now adulterated by, this is called the fiduciary component, it's fiduciary is an Italian name, it means trust. So it's built on trust. Well, this is built on trust too, but it's quite a different level, they, you know, they say between cup and lip there's many a slip, but with a real bill the cup is already touching your lip and you,
1: whereas, you know, the
0: farther away you are from this, longer maturities, more potential losses, blah, blah, blah so it's it's not working very well and the idea is that more and more paper and then this grew now while there was a partial gold standard partial backing uh, the US dollar was backed 25 percent by the good stuff and 75 percent was the not so good stuff the backing and the Swiss franc which was considered the strongest currency for many years was 40 percent so they had 40 percent good backing, but 60 percent was not. And of course, the final today, this is gone, and this is gone. There's no good stuff. There's only, and these treasury bonds, which were considered inferior, are now the superior. they the very best paper until recently, pristine paper, backed by the full credit, faith, and credit of the U.S. government. So our faith and credit are a mirage and the subject are subject to disappearing, whereas gold and bills that turn into gold and bills that are representing real value, are or are you're out of the system. So how can it possibly work? When,
1: when was it that 40 uh, percent of the money was backed by
0: gold? Oh, back back in the in the redeemable days.
1: When, when the uh, Yeah,
0: and, and it didn't happen simultaneously. I mean, some countries pulled out sooner, and actually, uh, in three, when when it, when um, Roosevelt did his thing, Americans were not even allowed to own gold at from that point on. From that point on, until the, the '70s. But then, in the '70s, it was no longer gold as money. It was gold as just another commodity, just another commodity. But
1: when the when the uh, when the central bank, the Fed, started in 1913. Yeah.
0: 15, yeah.
1: At that point, the backing of the money. It was, was supposed,
0: supposed to be this.
1: Supposed. Supposed, to and something. it was. But, but what? Sorry. Yeah. So I just, you just gratuitously said 40 percent.
0: No, there's some numbers out there. You can look it up. There were some numbers. of the Swiss
1: franc until Monday the Swiss franc,
0: Yeah. 45 percent. Yeah. 40%. This was a number that they. I guess they felt it was reasonably it was enough and so on and so on I mean, I can't tell I don't think it's right but, you know it's a slippery slope you're, you're not yet in the soup but you're on your way there and
1: you're saying that uh, there is a zero gold?
0: Huh. I'm not saying that I'm saying that your bills are not redeemable your bank notes are not redeemable in gold whatsoever you can't walk in if you go it used to say on the US dollar bill this entitles bearer to so many so many ounces of help is what is Circulating
1: said. is not redeemable on demand. Mm-hmm. But when you say twenty-five percent or whatever backing, that's yes. a different thing. That's it package. is a
0: different thing because it was all it was all redeemable theoretically. Theoretically, yeah. Okay? Yeah. This bill entitles bearer to fixed quantity of fine gold or silver based on the fixed value and the ratio and whatnot except it wasn't there the backing was not all there so as long as only a few people redeemed their gold the system worked but if everybody wanted it there would be a problem and of course this you know this is sort of a gimmick and you're playing the percentages and and of course the whole system was considered stable because there's a central bank there's so many other banks and we can move the gold around and nobody not everybody is going to want their gold at once and it happened. There were runs on the bank, but then the central bank was able to right the thing by shifting assets around or more borrowing. But today, this doesn't happen at all. Money is not redeemable. Okay. So, so and I think we need to look, just you know the previous you know, the previous lecture I was talking about the real bills. And make sure we're all on the same page here exactly. Uh, I think I said something like, there's money here, and there's real goods there, right? And there's an interchange. Now a real bill, this is a link between the two. Let's say here's your real bill, whatever it is, and here it says, uh, I don't know, thirty-three point five ounce gold. That's the face value. And then it says, uh, I don't know, what's a, what's a good thing here? Three hundred tons of coal, or whatever. Now. This represents the, the real good, the real value, and this represents the monetary value. And this 300 tons of coal is delivered and it's redeemed in this, this money, which is the gold. Gold money. <clears> on <throat> okay?
3: expiry
0: days. On expiry day. On maturity day. Face value in, in money. But the goods are already delivered and it may be other stuff, who cares, it could be a bunch of uh, Christmas turkeys. Is that okay? So, if there's any changes in the bids and ask and so on, and the same 300 tons of coal may change to, well, whatever, could be uh, 34. And that bill drawn against a similar quantity of the same underlying good matures to 34 ounces of gold or 33. So that's why I call it a link between the real world and the monetary world.
2: Yes? Is it comparable to a futures contract to some extent?
0: No. No, No, a futures contract is comparable to a forward sale. Uh, Let's say a farmer plants his crop in the spring and hopes to harvest whatever bushels of wheat in the fall. And at the time of planting, he doesn't really know what what that's going to pay back. Somebody agrees to buy it from him right now for delivery in the future. In a way, it's almost inverse of that. It's the current delivery and a future payment. So it's a form of credit. It's not a forward
2: sale. Does that help? But the price is fixed.
0: Well, the, fr- the price is negotiated before the sale is made. See, the sale is made. Uh, there's a bid, an offer, and so on. In the physical market for the physical good, it has been and, and 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 it's agreed the price and there's a delivery date and on delivery, boom. Well, and the guy who agrees to pay says I accept. And he signs his name, so well, now he owes this, and he's got that. So he bloody he, well you all better sell all that before it comes due, or he's in a bit of a problem. So he better accept.
4: He owns the coal and he he owns owns the the money or this is to the value of coal in money and maturity? There is also a due date.
0: Okay, so let's say, uh, well winter is coming and people are going to want to buy coal. So the coal retailer orders in I don't know, uh, September 300 tons of coal and it arrives uh, October 1st. The delivery date, delivery October 1st. On October 1st, he says, I accept and I agree to pay 91 days later. November, December, January 1st, or whatever. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's going to be February 1st, It was three months
1: don't care. Right? no, 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 no. 31 f- December, there you go. Whatever, well, no. someday in the future. <laughs>
0: okay, December 31. And that's when this money is collected, or paid, or whatever. The gold uh, changes hands. This amount of gold, on this day, on the due date. Question. On October 1st,
4: the monetary value of 300 tons of coal was 34 um, yeah, Yes, it was. That's the agreed payment. Okay. On uh, December 29th, uh, the coal value
0: is 35 yep. tons or yes, It's mean? exactly the same because it's the same coal. It's 300 tons of coal. That has not changed. Now, I, don't, I think I know where you're going, where does the discount come in? Well, let's suppose if the due date is December 31st, but this coal merchant who retails the coal has got the gold sitting in his, in his, in his uh, tail. He's got 40 ounces of gold sitting there already from other places. 34 of it, okay, let's, let's slow down here. When he sells the coal, he makes a markup, right? This is the uh, wholesale price. 34 ounce for 300 tons. He's not going to sell that gold in parcels, uh, that coal in parcels for a sum total of 34 ounces. He's going to make a profit. Okay? So let's suppose, I don't know, I mean, is it 40? This will be the retail price. All right? Is that okay so far? Now, suppose it's a bloody cold winter and everybody wants coal like crazy and instead of... Selling all of this by December 34, 31st, he sells it in a month. So by November 1st, he's got 40 ounces in his till. He sold it. So what's he going to do with this money? Well, six of it is his profit or his his expenses. You know, that's his doing business. That's his markup, not necessarily his profit. That's his markup. Okay. And this 34 ounces is allocated to pay this bill, which is coming due. Now, if you got 34 ounces of gold sitting there, that is yours, but not yours, allocated, what do you do with it? Sell it. You, you, you sell, it. sell it? To who? For what? I and mean, on this day, you bloody well better have that money. Okay, so really, it kind of sits there idle. Unless he goes back to the coal wholesaler, This bill, uh, it's not due for another 60 days, but I'm ready to pay it early for a small consideration. So he says, I'll pay you now uh, 33.8 or God knows what. And the coal wholesaler may say, I'll get my gold sooner. Yeah, that's worth something to me. I'll I'll, negotiate and they maybe settle at 33.9 ounces. Paid. Done. There's a discount. Difference between, <coughs> between this and this. The face value and the actual monetary transaction. Now, if they wait till maturity, this must be paid. But if it's paid early... Okay? It's so pretty much the closest thing
3: that currently exists to it is a short-term, zero-coupon,
0: uh, variably redeemable bond. <laughs> yeah, commercial paper, I think. You're, this is what is described yeah, as commercial, commercial paper. paper. Yeah, But the difference there is, this is between the two merchants directly. There's no middleman at this point, and there's no bank taking an extra profit or a cut. There's nothing going on, and it's very clean. Yeah,
2: and, and the stuff was delivered.
0: Yeah, the stuff was That's, delivered. That's where it all starts. That important difference. That's the Well, yeah, okay. Now we're getting fairly deep into this. Uh, the professor was talking about the acceptance house and rolling over bills and all kind of stuff, on merchandise that's not moving. That's what it is. It must be paid with gold on due date. And if it's not, it's fraudulent, as far as being a real bill. Now, if you want to call it a bond and a different market and a different thing, longer term credit, sure, that's fine. But not here. Yeah? Okay? Yeah. Alright. So, you know, this is this is important to understand how it works because this establishes it goes back to my previous little sketch there that I think people like. Philip liked it anyways Gold plus bills times velocity equals And if if there's more, now let's suppose what happens if the guy sells his coal early? Well, he's going to order more coal. And another bill will be drawn, And the same exercise happens again. Or suppose the coal is not selling, well it's a hot, relatively warm winter. Well, he doesn't want to pay it early. He doesn't have as much cash in his till. But if the discount rate is high enough, maybe he will. So it's played out. And there's arbitrage. And of course, there are umpty merchants. With often different uh, propensity to spend or propensity to to uh, to uh, yeah to spend buy coal or milk or whatever it is, and then it all averages out or it all plays out in the arbitrage between the various merchants. And that in that role, the discount house has a role to play in allowing more participants into this market, not just the the coal merchant directly. I mean that's vertical inter- that's vertical circulation. Horizontal is when the coal merchant may buy milk bills or uh, what's popular in some ice cream bills. Bills drawn against a truckload of ice cream driving up to our favorite ice cream joint or, you know. Okay. Sure. Mm, then, yeah.
1: You have your hand up. Yes. And it's what happens if, if um, the guy who, let's say, bought the coal goes broke? Ah. Good point.
0: Well, first of all, uh, if this is, well, let's, let's just go step by step, if this is a long ship, long-term ship, long shipment, overseas there's insurance and whatnot, and I would perhaps consider that there's a claim against this guy, and, uh, you know, this is where the trust factor comes in, and this is where the open portfolio, and the description of the goods on it. Anybody, before they buy it, they look at this and they say, some guy is buying 300 tons of coal, heating coal for, for a summer. No, I don't think so. But if it's in a cold winter, it makes more sense. The market analyzes this. And of course, if that company goes bankrupt, well, there may be insurance, there may be other sources of money. Uh, I can't really answer that directly.
1: Yeah. It's a
0: a good question, I have to admit. Well, First of all, there still are real goods behind that killed. Perhaps there are some. And they are in high Mm -hmm. demand. So even the curator of the insolvent
4: state can get rid of that at a fairly good price. So
0: the damage probably will be there, but it will be a lot less Hmm.
1: than when there is no goods
0: or Uh, just hot air. Sure. And that's a good point. and, it's like, and I didn't expect that question, make me think, if there's a bankruptcy, all the assets of this coal merchant go on the block, and his, his building, and his uh, delivery truck, or, or horse and carriage, and whatever, may go to the creditors. Who should go, will go to the creditors. And I don't think bankruptcies happen overnight, I think whoever sells them, the whole wholesaler knows what his retailers are doing, and what position they are. Has he been, Slow paying? Has he, you know, has he been reducing his turnover or whatever? I mean, this is played out between, pretty closely associated uh, businesses. This particular example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, behind you, sorry. Yeah.
4: A short question um, to the real, like. Okay, the price was 34 as far as I can remember. Yeah. Consumers... Face value. This supplier uh, supplied a lot of merchants with coal, so the price Mm -hmm. drops down. And I cannot earn thirty-four anymore. I can earn only
0: thirty-three. That's your problem. You owe me thirty-four, and you will pay it. If you want coal from me, and if you want coal for your son's business and your next generation, you pay it, and then. And it doesn't mean he can't be paid. He can go to the bank and borrow. He can use he can use his profits to pay it. I mean, he made a markup. So all he'll say is, I, I couldn't sell it for that price. My my entrepreneurship wasn't perfect, so I made no profit this month. But the bill must be paid, as written. The same as any other
2: invoice. Yeah, yeah, it's an invoice.
0: That's today them common an invoice and just think about it the wholesaler sells uh, stuff to many many retailers and actually this is the total of this is called accounts receivable and the bank will lend against it because it's an asset
1: so. uh, Louis isn't uh, what a fundamental difference between the concept of real bills under gold standard and credit Mm -hmm. today, under the um, existing monetary system, Mm -hmm. is it not that um, today money is is lent at interest Mm -hmm. and therefore you need to pay now, (coughs) pay now, so money is advanced now, but you need to pay that plus interest back I'd yes. say 91 days to stay with the with the bills, period. Whereas under the real bills, no payment is expected until 91 days. Absolutely. So it's a form of credit, of course, yes. because, you know, you, you get the goods and you can start your business and you can start selling them without having actually had to, to, to part with money. Whereas, uh, and therefore, There is no need to increase the money supply to meet the cost of credit. I'm listening to you. Whereas, under the existing monetary regime, interest is uh, to be paid, and um, that's over and above the existing monetary supply.
0: Okay. Credit is divided into two kinds of credit. One is borrowing, which is this kind of current going to the bank and borrowing and clearing it. Professor talked about this as well. Okay? Now, if you borrow money to, to buy a car, for example, there's an interest rate, there's collateral, there's terms, you know, terms of payback and all that. When there's clearing, data, you get the goods and you're paying when the goods are sold. So, yeah, there is credit because that payment is due down the road. What is credit? Credit is an exchange of present and future goods. That's the definition of credit. Here, you get the present good, which is your car, and you pay it back later at a cost. And here, you get the material, the, 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 the goods right now. And the sale of the goods will clear the debt.
1: So yeah, I My point is, I just mean, realized this, uh, trying to express it in a way that's uh, clearer, mm-hmm. but there is no um, no cost to credit under, under a gold standard or real bills. There's no cost to society, put it this way, to society for uh, drawing real bills and therefore allowing credit and, and goods to circulate whereas under the existing monetary regime uh... keep going, it, this is wonderful you want, you want to buy something? you don't have the money now? you have to pay now, we'll lend you the money yeah. and you pay it back with interest so there's a cost on society yeah. to operate Yeah, there that is. did not exist or does not exist anymore.
0: And, and who collects this interest?
1: Yeah,
0: right. aha, <laughs> You're absolutely right. This is really, and that's why we talk about social circulating capital. It's the most efficient way to get these important goods to the consumer. Uh, again, in my book I talk about if you buy a TV, let's say you walk into a store and you want to buy a TV,
1: and it's at a certain
0: discount, a price, whatever, you can buy it on cash, no problem. You could write a check, well, it comes from your, your cash account, presumably, so again, no problem. Or you can buy it on a credit card. In other words, borrow at that point. And if you do that, if you borrow, you pay interest to the credit card company. Now, if you use a home equity line of credit, you're still borrowing, but you're paying a lower rate because there's a big chunk of collateral behind it. Whereas in a credit card, there's no collateral, but the, the, the credit card company. You like, always have to pay more than. Yeah. Well, okay. Now suppose you know the storekeeper, and it's you. You've been going to this. You don't go to the clerk. You go to uh, the guy who owns the store, and you've bought a lot of stuff from him, and you haggle and you negotiate him, and say, you know what? Give me a better price. So, well, that, you know this is my best price. I can't give you a better price or I lose money. But you're a good customer. I'll give you terms. You pay me in 60 days. There's your free credit. He just he just gives it to you because he trusts you, and you take the TV and you pay it in sixty days, and he's not charging interest. So, it's a similar thing. Of course, usually it doesn't play out that way, but it certainly could.
2: There's one more question. Mr. Yep. Lubik's um, question regarding counterparty risk or credit risk. Mm-hmm. You said it's not quite excluded. Obviously, that could happen. Something could it be that in the case of uh, whatever happens, this guy can't get rid of the coal?
0: Sure, it could happen.
2: Yeah, that uh, the coal serves as collateral, especially segregated to the field. No, I, th- well, okay, I'm sorry. we we'll should make this a lot more safer, because if you just have uh, uh, right and the uh, claim mm-hmm. on the usual recovery rate, usually it's a it's, lot it's lower. Even.
0: Okay. First of all, let's not use coal. Let's use cabbages or turkeys chop you know, turkey meat, how long is it going to be collateral? A few days? It's not collateral. It, that's, that's out. It's a question of the absolute conviction that people will buy coal, because otherwise they'll freeze, or they will buy turkey, because otherwise they'll go hungry. And that's why it has to circulate rapidly. And if it doesn't circulate, i.e., the coal is not sold, then the coal retailer has to use some other source of money to pay that bill, and it may come from his own working capital. He may have to borrow money from the bank, whatever. That's what it is, and it's built on. The, that's why the speed is so important, and it's only the most uh, urgently needed goods that qualify for this kind of clearing. Otherwise, you have to go and borrow and put up, and they're not going to accept, go to the bank and say, I want to sell coal, I'll use my coal as collateral. You've got to be kidding. They're not going to give you collateral on, so, on something that's sold every day. You put your billing up as collateral. Even if you borrow against your accounts receivable today, maybe you only get a small, I don't know what the percentage would be, but the whole accounts receivable will only support so much bank credit. Because they don't want to take the risk. Yeah? Uh, yes. So basically, the real bill can only be drawn against real goods. Absolutely. Yes. Only against. Only. Goods. Absolutely. That's a real bill, and yeah. I'm glad I'm, I'm crunching away at this because this has to be hammered home.
1: And fast circulating goods. And Foods fast. Already circ- goods already in demand.
0: Goods already in demand. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: No services alone.
0: I'm sorry.
4: No services.
0: Well, services are a different story. Um, it's that—that's a more personal thing, and people don't—you you don't buy services from a wholesaler. You just—you just do it. What, what? What's a service? A haircut? You know? Yeah, I mean, tax consultancy. For example. I'm sorry. For example. One at a
4: time. Uh, yeah. Tax consultancy for a year. Tax
0: consultancy. A tax consultancy. Tax consultancy. Oh, a contract to do tax cov- exactly. consultancy. Well, that's a good question. How does so that, that occur
4: in
3: it year, occur year, it year, or it it the company? Uh, you can't? Uh, How do It can
0: Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 okay, okay. I mean,
3: I can get No, but
4: okay. I'm a company and I uh, make an agreement with him that he is responsible for my tax accounts. And when he's done it, like the year passed and he does the accounts, then I pay Okay. okay.
0: Can I answer that? First of all, We're limiting this to 91 days. So one year is out. Second of all, is this part of the social circulating capital? Is this a good and urgent demand that a consumer will pay a gold coin for at the retail level? Clink! I don't think so. This is an agreement between two companies. And as long as you're both consenting adults, you do what you want.
3: (laughs) What is that agreement, where they accept the notes? The
0: acceptance house?
3: Yeah. But that's, that's the acceptance a, house
0: uh, perhaps the acceptance house would based on some other collateral they would put their money in so I can imagine that if you're the uh, service provider and you have this contract you go to the acceptance house I' got a contract lend me against it and they'll say yeah put up your house as collateral and we'll lend you against it or put up something why not they don't care all they want to be sure is that they're paid so you take they take a big chunk of collateral to make sure that it's there what they're covered I don't think service is coming to this very much but don't quote um, me I'm, I'm not there is
4: I uh, don't know 50% a, of the work done
3: is service in our society that's
0: fine but now let's let's Only, uh, do, okay I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you no. um, first of all that's a problem because No society can survive on on one person cutting the other's hair and the other person cutting my hair. It ain't ain't gonna
4: work. There has to be 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 real
0: wealth, yeah. Uh, So then the other thing is that the real bills is not the whole economy. It's just a big chunk of it. And the reason we're talking about it is because the gold standard cannot stand without real bills. Cannot. Must have it. And people are not familiar with it, people know what money is, you say, well, we'll use gold as money instead of paper money, you pay your bills, of course, it's not that simple. But not too many people understand bills and invoicing and the stuff behind it that's vitally important. Okay, Okay. so, there's also a bond market, there are equity markets under gold, but for example, gold bonds are quite different from bonds today. Uh, In the old days, Bonds were purchased by widows and orphans as security for their old age. There was no bond speculation. It was for income.
2: Okay, but how do you
3: pay your tax consultant? Okay.
0: You don't have a tax consultant. Why are you in you need a tax consultant? Everything is simple.
3: There is no income tax.
0: <laughs> this, this falls outside the social circulating capital. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then you you know, with carrots, this, is,
0: this is very interesting. Let, let's talk about, let's talk about a tax accountant. It,
4: it that, has not be a tax accountant, some kind of consulting, consulting, that's fine. in, in founding fund, your company, sure. Wait, well, you, you
0: pay them cash. What's the problem with that? You pay them a gold coin.
3: Where's the cash? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where is the cash? It's not
3: just gold. I pay
1: with with, with one gram of gold or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, don't lose lose sight of
1: this. Or the note that's redeemable in gold for that amount. Or the note that is redeemable in gold for that amount of gold. Yeah, that's Um, for cash. But uh, just on service, uh, we have to be careful here that we sort of separate goods from services completely because goods are produced out of people being of service.
0: Well, they're, 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 they're that's labor cost. They're employees. Well,
1: I consider that a sur- an economy is only equal to the sum of the service it provides.
0: If you're telling me the
1: economy is only equal to all the labor
0: that goes into everything, I have to agree with you. Yeah, well that, that's what I mean. But don't forget
1: the goal... So the service is not just uh, advice. Okay.
0: Service on the consumer level is yeah. what I call service. At higher level, this is your input basket, output basket. Production level. It's production level and there's engineers. Our engineers, production employees are service em- employees. But they contribute to the cost of those goods and maybe they contribute to improvement of goods and all a bunch of other stuff. At, at the end of the day, even digging gold out of the ground, you can keep going far enough that it's all labor costs, all of it. Uh, even capital is accumulated labor and so on. So yeah. Just
4: just understand this,
0: uh, so, employers, employers, employers yes. are paid in gold? Employees, the workers, Employees. or in silver, yeah. Okay, um, so let's say
3: you are paid three grams, whatever, in a in mm-hmm. month.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, they can enough. be paid in the real bills.
0: Well, they may be paid in banknotes, bank bank banked by real bills. They would probably not be paid in real bills, they're too big. Yeah.
3: The whole idea with the real bill is that you can pay your workforce before you've actually sold the yeah. good. You know, you, you can't pay... 100 employees with such a real bill of 300 tons of coal. That's... Well no, you come back to your employees and say I've got this receipt yeah. signed by Louis who's going to sell the coal for me okay. and then you go to the bank, the bank will chop up the real bill into units okay. give you your bank loads and you use that bank to pay your employees. Okay. And if Louis doesn't sell the coal... Yeah. And the banknotes are covered 100% by gold. Mm-hmm. Gold or real bills. Yeah. Gold or real bills. Or... Okay. Yeah. That's what the Scottish banking system would
0: OK. Yeah. Again, this uh, bank notes are a convenience thing. But small change can be made in silver coins. That's usually how it was. When they built the Panama Canal, they like can nearly uh, what was in 1900 before World War One, I, I think. Anyway, they had two layers of employees: the American engineer types were paid in gold, and the laborers from everywhere else were paid in silver. And there was a, a gold uh, housing unit and a gold shopping center and all this stuff, and a slightly downscale, <laughs> you can imagine, silver, uh, you know. So that's fine; it works yeah, it fine. Just. The, the, the yeah. The no. One that get, the, bring the, them up. Bring the them caches. up. Bring up your beefs. I want to hear them. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: okay. You know, you can if you lend money uh, to to Boeing, for example, to build aircraft. Okay, and it's a five-year loan. You've got a bond, you know, and they've got the money. They're building aircraft. You can use that bond in payment for something else. But the point is, Google accept it. No one. Well, they might accept a Boeing bond because they know they'll sell planes. How would you finance long-term projects?
4: Always with ninety percent, with ninety days. No, 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 no. not at all.
0: With gold gold bonds. Exactly what Sandy was talking about. But you, if you again, you got your your bifurcation of this. You got your your credit, and you've got well borrowing. And clearing, okay. And long, and this is also a time situation. Borrowing is longer term, and this is shorter term. This is 91 days, and this is this is driven by is that the real bill market. Real bill market is clearing. Yes, I don't have space for clear and bond And here the interest rate kicks in, because in order to To buy a bond, you need savings, you need money now.
4: Okay.
0: Yeah. You. Okay guys? Sure? I want to make sure. You you have to put money in to get the bond and it brings you back one later. This one, you get the goods right now and you pay it later. It's a different different situation. And that's the most efficient Louis, when you said it costs nothing to society, I thought it was quite an interesting statement. Yeah, Yeah. it really is because it's just part of the process, and that's the reciprocal between society. What does society contribute to this? Well, society gets goods; it needs absolutely at the lowest possible cost, and in return, it says, "Okay, you know, there's, there's, so there is a value going both ways." Lovely system. Yes, um, is it
4: fair, like the bills are uh, the
0: credit market and gold, cash? The bills are the clearing market. Clearing. clearing. Uh-huh. That Clearing means moving goods yeah. quickly through clearing. Let's suppose, there is another thing that you can talk about this forever and it's, I love to talk about it. Let's say you're shipping cabbages from a farm in California to New York. So a farmer grows them and suddenly they're picked up by a local jobber or whatever, and they put on train, and they go on and they go to the wholesale the retail, and they're sold to the customer. Who owns this cabbage? Does the railroad company that moved it or the trucker own the cabbage? No, they're really doing a service. The farmer puts it out, and, the, and it ends up there. So while it's in progress, the real ownership is not really very clear at all. I mean, it's in a warehouse for a while, the next day it goes further. The warehouse doesn't really own this cabbage, or this lettuce. See that? They don't buy it, the, the, they just they get paid to clear it, to pass it through. Is it fair to say that uh, under an, an unadulterated gold standard, uh, there is no long-term credit? No, there is long term credit, mm-hmm. but that's under the bond market. No. Is there savings? No. Huh? I'm sorry? Isn't
4: this the savings part? Yes.
0: That's the savings part. Bonds? So I uh, basically
4: can spend something that you don't have. You uh. Oh, hello.
1: I don't understand a lot of that.
0: We turn gold into fish, right? <laughs> just like yeah. turn stones into. It, okay, uh, so guys, uh, Sally gave me the time signal, you want to take a break and continue, or you want to go on a little bit and then we'll end it all, uh, that's up to you, I'm, I'm happy with mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can go on. Um, You want to continue
4: so we can go on 10-15 minutes, okay,
0: great, are, I think everybody's all cramped up, so. shoot,
4: question.
2: Could I go once more to the quantitative theory of money? The
0: quantity theory?
2: Yeah, which you, are, which we are here also in critique of. Which
0: critique do you want to review? The 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 Mengerian critique or the internal logic critique? You know the.
2: Um. That should, would just for me or for, for anyone who's interested like to sum up perhaps the difference uh, within a gold standard that an increase of gold doesn't okay. uh, doesn't uh, result in inflation, whereas the paper money obviously does. But why does it? Why does more paper cause inflation? Because it's not a constant marginal utility, I guess. Why not? Because Isn't it money? No. Nope. <laughs> oh!
0: You got it. It's not money. Because money is gold. This is 5,000 years of history. Human uh, experience has proved it beyond doubt. And the redeemable bills were based on gold and redeemable in gold. And this new paper is not redeemable in gold. Look at this chart again. When redeemably was chopped, this thing went up, this just went up and up and up. And that was the last vestige of attachment to the gold, to the numeraire, to, to real money. And the quantity of gold within a very large range. I mean, what if Yamashita's gold is true? Uh, they claim, and I, I, you know the story of Yamashita's gold? What happened was the Nazis stole a bunch of gold in Europe, and they stashed it away. And MacArthur and some other guys got wind of this and they found the stash and it was done fairly well in the open. There are videos of it, a bunch of gold and other horrors we don't want to talk about, and that was it. But the Japanese presumably did the same thing in, in, in the rape of Nanjing and in Asia and whatever, why not? I mean they were they were on the same, same type of uh, attitude. This never came to light, and so therefore the odds are pretty good that there was a bunch of gold and wealth and treasures stashed away and somehow clandestinely it's been you know, released into the market, CIA or whatever, dark, guys in dark, was it black clothes or something? <laughs> dark helicopters? But it doesn't really matter. It does not matter. Because the marginal utility of gold is flat, so there's another, you know, I don't know, uh, 90,000 tons, and it just means there's a bigger stock to flows ratio. Gold is even better money. Yes, I'll just
2: make one comment on that, which is I don't want to wander off the subject too much, but I thought about that gamma, yeah, what's his name's gold. Yeah. And the amount of gold in the record, as I understand it, is based upon known mining records since Roman times. All that's in the records, it's only lost afterwards. Maybe. Whatever it is. But the Actually, must have been, well, well, probably isn't the records anyway. That's
0: yeah. if everybody dug gold um, and, and reported that they dug it.
2: That's did another they, variable. Well, that's another, well it's, <laughs> that's another huge variable, far more far bigger than you know, well, what's his name, which Indian. is that we um, yes. so really didn't begin with Rome. Exactly. I was just going to say the Indians had mined no, out no, their country well exactly. before the Romans were even thought so of.
0: So nobody nobody really knows accurately, and it doesn't really matter. And That's why I said when we did the blue. Uh, uh, Thingy with the demand, you can set this at pretty well any level, as long as you're not ridiculously off. <laughs> okay, here's another thing that maybe we can touch on. Remember, I talked about uh, Crusoe picking up a little shell and sticking it up there. Okay. So same kind of thing with gold. Gold has a value, not necessarily utilitarian value. It had some value because it was pretty and malleable, and people love to look at it. Blah blah blah. And then it became money, through that process. So did silver. And for how many years in history, the silver-gold ratio has been roughly 15 to 1, 16 to 1, and it's been, I don't know, for how long? Give me a idea, a thousand years? I oh, don't know, forever. Well, somehow, silver was demonetized, but in the meantime, silver became a very in-demand industrial metal. There's good demand for it in silver, solar, and mirrors, and, uh antiseptic properties and conductors and blah 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 and yet its value has crashed why well presumably i believe it has lost its monetary value at least for the time being so if you and there are there are people out there who say a basket of goods should be backing money right like oil and this and that, and this is a bunch of balderdash, because all these things, first of all, you don't know, balderdash, BS in, in, in polite terms, <laughs> doesn't work. And it's been tried, hello, it's been tried, you remember the Assignat in France, mm-hmm. they put land behind this, now land is the most illiquid asset possible, the real estate is incredibly illiquid, it takes months to sell it, and the price spread is huge, they want <clears> to use this to back notes no you have to use money to back notes money to back notes not stuff to back so-called money but that was clear because that was language open from the church <laughs> <laughs> was that the
2: word they used
0: was it confiscate or was no, sure
2: I know, I know i know so it all comes down to marginal utility again with uh, oil for instance with many people say oil, a commodity basket as it just said
0: let's let's look at silver again because silver is has still has some monetary value and potentially a lot of monetary value because people may rediscover that silver is actually money Um, if you're a factory and you buy silver solder you need only so much a month because you you solder so many radiators or whatever you do so if you are offered more and more units of silver you don't want it you have no need for it and if you're building you know, uh, antiseptic socks, now they're putting them into socks, little bits of silver. Again, there's only so much demand. So, marginal income drops quickly. You, you need what you need, and no more. But if it's money, there's no limit to how much people wanted it. And it, it plays out, and in, 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 in no other metal besides gold and silver, no other stuff has this virtue. And they try to pretend that paper is money, but I think the pretence is falling apart. The faith and credit is going away. These um, uh, sovereign risk is rising. That means they don't have faith and credit in the ability of these sovereign nations to pay back these debt ever. I mean, they presumably they couldn't last you neither, but now people are starting to notice this. It's coming to people's attention.
4: Yes? Is the real deal money? No.
0: Gold is money. And perhaps a real bill has monetary value. It works as a means of exchange. But again, we said, well, maybe we should. We didn't touch on this. What if what properties does stuff have to have in order to become money? It has to have a specific value. Not you can't use rocks and gravel as money. There's too much of it. It has to hold its value. It has to be fungible. Um, It has to be a unit of account. Well, it becomes unit of account once it becomes money.
1: That's Don't ask what, asking,
0: what you ask. Yeah, sure. So, for 91 days, this bill holds its value. But after that, it has no value. So, the bill is not money. Because it doesn't hold value for the long term. However, the stream of social circulating capital is a different story. That never extinguishes, it's always there. So, the bill market, per se, has value flowing through it, and that value exists. Unlimited time. It just changes its size and its composition, but one bill is not money. It matures into money on uh, the date maturity maturity date. But it does serve as a means of exchange. It only serves one function. Money has to be means of exchange and a store of value through time. Is that okay? Yeah. Really?
1: When did real bills start? <laughs>
0: I think way back, a professor talked about this, the, the fairs back in the um, Middle Ages. Middle Ages? Yeah. You think about fairs uh, where merchants bring their goods from different places and they want to buy and sell stuff. Now, if they would have to bring enough gold to buy all the stuff they want to buy, they would have to take all their gold out of use, out of circulation, whatever, and bring it with them and it's dangerous and blah, blah, blah. So what they want to do is sell stuff and exchange it for other stuff. But if they don't have enough gold to buy stuff, they're obliged to sell before they can buy. And if every merchant shows up wanting to sell, who's going to buy? No buyers, they don't bring gold with them. So the merchant fair creates scrap money that expires in when the fair ends. And the merchant brings in his stuff. And somebody who's knowledgeable in, this, in the market looks at it and says, yeah, you know, uh, whatever, a carriage full of grain or something, we'll give you so much script for it. And then they use this script to exchange with other merchants, and at the end of the, uh, the fair, it's all netted out and they take the stuff they want back. And these are kind of a precursor to real goods. They serve as a means of exchange, temporary monetary value, backed by real goods. But it's not money. But, but Yes, that's right.
1: That's a, that was the precursor to the real bills. Yes, yeah, one precursor. But, um, <laughs> um, which countries actually used real bills? Well, they, uh, sorry? Was it the first country? Which countries?
0: Well, at the end of the day, everybody, the whole British Empire used it.
1: British Empire. Well,
0: yeah. European, uh, European, France,
4: Italy, Spain... Yeah, sure. It, it grew pretty fast.
1: Yeah, they all did. And, and real bills circulated in European countries until what day? Till World,
0: World War One in the
1: 1909, 19, 19, 14, 14. The, the uh, war
4: the war made an end
1: made an to end. all the
4: confidence that was implicit in all the trade the trading with each other. Sure. And it was
0: not reestablished after the war, so basically that's what one hundred years coming up soon? Uh, <laughs> Time to resurrect this thing. Hey, that's what. Hopefully, that's what we're doing here. I mean, that's the bottom line thing. Uh, This is not officially a Gold Standard Institute session. It's New Austrian Economics, but you know we're kind of in bed here.
2: (coughs) Yes, sir. Can I ask a further question? Sure. Based on something said a few days ago by somebody, I can't remember what, but it it was said that after the First World War. Real bills were not allowed to be reintroduced because it was such a, a sort of a punitive thing against the Germans. So they re- How do you stop a natural market phenomenon? Yeah.
0: Well, um, could I could I quote um, what was that Austrian economist's name? S- uh, Sanholz. Sanholz, and I don't quote exactly, but he says something like. Uh, Honest money and free banking are not impossible, they're merely illegal. And one day, the gold standard will make, well, oh, throughout human history the gold standard has made a comeback. When countries have gone off, gold they came back, because at the end of the day, people will realize that honesty is the best policy, and you cannot build a society on theft.
2: But was it actually made illegal? Was of well,
0: only, know with all that. the the the, uh, the the discount houses and all that stuff were out of business, and the banks mm-hmm. took over with short-term credit. Uh, so um.
1: I don't know about all countries, but in the U.S., if uh, what you uh, if you're uh, uh, issuing uh, monetary uh, units, so and,
0: uh, yes. well, that, that's and, a uh, little bit of it too but the main thing is uh, don't forget
1: these can barter and, and, and you see that more and more the phenomenon but, but it's very localized and it's not, not not in competition to the monetary or currency of the country but
0: uh, really, don't forget the other thing professor said and it's very true for real bills to circulate they must mature into a better Something into a better form of money or better or whatever. I mean, who would trade a real bill which is an earning interest, turns to gold almost as good as gold, almost, for paper that's depreciating at a tremendous rate? It would make no sense. Uh, the real bills are better than banknotes today, much better. So, unless gold is in general circulation, true real bill circulation cannot arise. After gold is money or with it together, yeah.
2: But the government wasn't circulating. No.
0: Absolutely, and even even when legal tender laws were passed just before the First World War that made payment in paper just as legitimate as payment in gold, gold still circulated alongside with the paper. But then it was pushed aside more and more. You, you, you all know what legal tender laws were originally. Does anybody know? I didn't. They were when a gold coin is in circulation for a while it wears and it wears and it wears and it wears and eventually it wears down to you know, 90%, 80% gold. So legal tender law said the the government, the official mint, the national mint will replace worn coins with new full-bodied coins down to a certain loss. That's all it meant, legal tender. And if the gold coin was under that Level, whichever whatever number was, then it would be weighed and 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 the value determined by the the weight of gold.
1: Yeah, it's been it's complete opposite of what legal tender means. Yes, Absolute complete opposite. It was a service the state provided at no charge. Hmm? This coin is the coin of the realm. So if yours is worn out, bring it in. So well, you that because it is this
0: Well, if we're gonna go on a bit more, I will change the battery. Yeah, okay. Uh-oh. take it take a minute. those new legal tender laws. So. Okay, we're back up. So our question. Question. <laughs> legal tender. The name was all twisted around. A lot of things were tw- twisted twisted
3: yes, around.
2: So these commonly known arguments against a normal gold standard or a gold standard without real bills actually are valid. Could one put it like that? And that's why it actually really wouldn't work or wouldn't Work very good at least. Not a, not
0: what the Rothbard professor calls the Rothbardian gold standard, where the bank must have only cash gold backing its notes. That can't work. How could it? There's not enough. In that case, there really is not enough gold, because all this gold would be sitting in the bank vaults to back those notes, and there will be no flexibility and uh, no amplification of the of the economic activity so real bills must be there as the clearing arm so it's no point talking about one without the other So so the
2: critics actually have their point?
0: Oh absolutely you know here's something we talked about during a lunch break when you go into a court of law and you're sworn in as a as a witness put your hand on Bible, Koran, whatever what do they ask you? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Why those three things? Why not just tell the truth? Well, yeah, I'll tell the truth, two and two is four, the sun rises in the east, can I go? <laughs> no, 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 and of course, nothing but the truth means you don't tell any lies alongside the truths you just told. But why the whole truth? What does that mean? I mean, there's so many truths in the world, what they really mean is the pertinent truth. What is significant to this particular court case? So in other words, what they're saying is, don't lie by omission. Tell the whole truth that applies here. And this is the story. When this is chopped off and thrown away, there, whoever's telling you is lying by omission, either deliberately or not. Climate change. Oh, it used to be called the um, Great Ice Age is coming. Oh no, that was back 20 years ago. Now it's the global warming. Oh no, it's climate change. But they show you a chart showing this rise in temperature and oh my god, it's awful. They don't show you the rest of the chart going back centuries, thousands of years, millions of years, where it goes temperatures have gone way up and way down and all this. That's the whole truth. So the whole truth about gold is including the real bills and a lot of other stuff we didn't even touch on like gold bonds and so on and so forth.
1: The, um, is, is there not oh, unadulterated gold standard Stands for a number of things, including, you know, the fact that real bills have to circulate alongside yeah. gold. That's a being The only form of money, but yes, rock 100% Visa's Institute, 100% gold standard, is uh, one of the things that that implies is no fractional reserve banking. Mm-hmm. I think we agree on that don't we? That there should be no fractional what, do we, what does our version of unadulterated gold standard actually mean from the point of view of reserve banking? Well, the reserves have to be
0: constrained to cash gold or perhaps cash silver as silver is money and real bills, nothing else.
1: Well, that's 100%. That, there's no fractional reserve. Banking.
0: Sure, because the real bills are paper. They're not paper. So we agree with them on that, basically. If they insert the
3: word against demand deposits, that would be fine, you know, they're perfectly correct, you know. But if you want a three-year deposit, say so you want to deposit your money for three years, obviously it can't be good back per se. You know, the, I don't know what their view is on that, Do they were to ban that so you can't let your money out for three years, you know. I mean, that's where their ambiguity lies. But to understand is... Uh, mm.
4: uh, uh, statement uh, you need uh, no problem law different kind of contract mm. uh,
2: deposit on demand mm. a contract uh, uh, law, loan loan mm. another contract and discount mm. another
1: contract mm.
0: I, I can add something to this. Um, when you bring your money to a ware, if you bring your your goods to a warehouse, it's your goods, okay. Uh, if you bring your, your 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 chair to a warehouse for storage, you get a warehouse receipt, and it's your chair, and they're keeping it for you. And when you go back with your receipt, you get your chair back, right? that's, that's not. There's no dispute on this. There's no controversy, okay. If you bring a truckload of wheat, a certain grain of wheat which is fungible, to the warehouse and then you come back a month later with your receipt, what do you get back? Your wheat, but it may not be your grain, it may be somebody else's grain, but exactly the similar bunch of wheat. If you go back and get somebody else's chair, you ain't going to be a happy camper. So what do you mean? That's not my chair. But wheat is fungible, it doesn't matter unfortunately back in I don't know 16 hundreds or whatever there was a law uh, a lawsuit in England where the judge decided that if you deposit your money gold in a bank it's no longer your money it's the bank's money and this screwed up the whole thing if
2: the deposit is yes. on
4: demand the, 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 the Roman, uh, Roman law the, the money the gold is of the the client
0: not of the no bank. it's unallocated gold and it's a, you're a general creditor of, okay, the, of under the bank under, under, uh, roman under roman law, law. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay you mean back then yeah, yeah. oh sure sure no i said in 1600 or whatever the, there was a bridge and from then on in all this shenanigans started because the bank now you're a cre- the bank you're a creditor of the bank but you, it's like the difference between allocated and unallocated gold. It's not really your gold.
3: It's like if you're going to take a two-year deposit, you might think, oh, that's nice, you know, I'm getting 5% per a uh, two-year deposit, <laughs> you know, and that way. But then in the back of the mind, you should realize that the loan at the other end could go sour. Okay. You know, not, you You've know. actually lent money. You've money, lent money you know, it because yeah. it says Royal Bank of Scotland on your yeah. bank statement every month. You've actually lent money. That yeah, yeah. the intermediary,
0: you know? Yeah, that's true. And of course, there's, that's the counterparty of party risk that's yeah. playing out yeah. today. For me, the,
1: the, the, the easiest way to visualize this the difference between when you deposit uh, whether it's on the bank or something at the bank, it's, what effectively you're doing is lending your money to the it's bank. So it's because it the bank's paying you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Whereas if you are going to store gold, you're paying the money yes. Uh, pay. yes. yes. Absolutely. One hundred percent. All right. Absolutely. Well, because they can't do anything with it. Right. Well, le- it.
0: legally not. They would have to actually steal it.
1: You know. Not so. Right. Right. Yeah. Sure.
0: Good. We oh, touched a lot of things. That was fun. <laughs> and who else got anything else? That's it. Well, maybe we should uh, call it a day. And uh, tomorrow, Professor Feketo will be back to do the final session. And, and if you guys have any questions that come up overnight, which sometimes happen, we'll we talk
1: about it tomorrow. 2 3 AM and call it
0: you. <laughs> If it's seriously about gold, I'll be there. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs>